Welcome to Chronicles, a post-divorce advocacy group podcast with your host, Lawanda Wibby. Hello, everybody. This is Lawanda Wibby Lawanda, and I am so glad to be back here on the Chronicles post-divorce advocacy group podcast. We have stepped away for a little bit of time here, and uh, we certainly do apologize for that. However, we're back. (laughs) I like that hand clap there. (laughs) Do that again, engineer. (laughs) Listen, we've got sound effects and everything here at the Chronicles podcast, and uh, Thank goodness for our engineer who uh, gave us a little bit of a hand to clap because we are back here and back with you. And we're so glad that we are able to get back. There was indeed a little bit of a delay for us getting back here on the air. I mean, obviously, we, just like everybody else in the entire world, is dealing with this pandemic the best way that we know how. So we did step away from the microphone long enough for us to secure our own families and our business interests. We had to go and do our grocery shopping and uh, hoard our toilet paper and do all of the things that everybody around the world was doing in order to be in a position to stay at home during this pandemic. And as a result of that, we had to step away for a period of time in order to get ourselves back together. But today we are going to be talking about uh, COVID-19 slash coronavirus and being divorced, being suddenly single in this type of an atmosphere. And we're also going to listen to a clip by Wendy Williams with a very shocking revelation that she shared earlier in the week here. And, uh, you know, the only thing we can ask is, you know, hey, how's she doing? So let's jump right into it here and uh, get started here with this show. So when it comes to being divorced and living through this era of COVID-19, along with these stay-at-home orders, it can kind of create a sense of loneliness that... Um, being divorced, you automatically have to become uh, acutely aware of. I think that right now, COVID-19 and the stay-at-home orders has, in some respect, made that a lot more um, challenging for those of us that have suffered through divorce and uh, are single again, because the truth of the matter is that most of us get married uh, for the purposes of companionship. That's, you know, clearly not the only reason why we get married, but it is one of the, you know, main reasons why we do choose to marry is for the sake of companionship. And when you find yourself no longer married or with your companion, it can kind of, you know, set in on, you know, feelings of being alone or feelings of loneliness and not having anyone. And 
that is part of the reasons why we do this podcast here is because we want to offer uh, a voice of reason. We want to offer comfortability. We want to offer, you know, some type of a connectivity to our community to let individuals know that you are not alone in um, those types of situations. You know, it's interesting because um, how you handle uh, this situation is critical. Like, you know, how have you handled the loss of companionship? Have you, have you really been taking care of yourself? You know, are there any type of, you know, things that you are involving yourself in that can kind of combat those feelings of loneliness? I think that it's very important that we do that and we do it in a constructive way. It's important for us to do this in a constructive way because it's very easy for us to slip into ways that are not necessarily healthy, they are unproductive, and they can certainly take us back uh, to a place of depression and sadness. And so we have to learn how to manage those types of experiences and feelings so that we can um, properly protect our mental health and make sure that we are staying on on course here. I have an interesting experience with a client contract of mine. I have a client that uh, I work and do some uh, work with uh, during the course of the week. And she is also a recent divorcee. Um, Her divorce actually was uh, finalized in December of 2019. And the time of this recording is April of 2020. And in the course of that short uh, four year or I'm sorry, four month period of time, she has relatively moved on very quickly, uh, though there is quite a bit of visible on the surface pain for her. You can see her uh, pain just literally on her shoulder. You can uh, see it in her eyes. She still cries on a daily basis, yet she is trying to involve herself Uh, in any way, shape, form, or fashion with other people, other relationships, and she keeps herself very, very busy. I noticed something uh, during this time frame uh, of working with her on this particular particular contract. I noticed something as a post-divorce advocate that, you know, she really has not given herself an opportunity to heal. And I think that that's dangerous when you just keep going and going and going and going and you never really deal with the hurt, the pain, the frustration or come to terms with the realities that you are divorced and that you no longer have your companion. You know, I think it's I think it's a a travesty to just kind of glaze over that experience like it didn't happen and life goes on because the truth of the matter is that, you know, there's going to be some type of trauma. Rather, it was a divorce that you wanted or it was a divorce that was unexpected. There's still going to be some type of trauma just uh, getting back to the level of normalcy that you deserve. And so I think it's, I think it's a challenge when we just move forward. Like, you know, this was not a devastating uh, point in time in our lives. 
But at any rate, uh, this young lady uh, obviously has done that. She just, you know, got divorced and she just kept moving. Well, COVID-19 struck. And one of the things that I would notice about her is that she would always, always, always have people around her. She would always, always, always go out to lunch, out to dinner. She would never stay home. She was consistently out in somebody's face at a you know music event, uh, at a club, at a restaurant, you know, just constantly needing to be around people. And then the, the, the virus struck and everybody had to go home. And she suddenly figured out that she's all alone. And so I've watched this situation kind of unfold uh, before me because uh, she wants me to, you know, come to the office and she wants me to work. And I don't do that because of the simple fact that, you know, there's a virus and I have a family and there are things that I have to, you know, protect and cover as well. And you can tell that part of her coping mechanism was to just always keep people around her, was to always keep people in her space so that she didn't have to deal with the feelings of the loss of companionship from her her husband. And so what she ended up doing during this period of time is, uh, you know, drinking a lot, uh, and really just kind of feeling like she didn't have anyone. I mean, there were times in which she would just, you know, say, I'm about to just break out of this place because she cannot stand being in her home and being alone because she doesn't have any type of companionship. And I think that this virus has really challenged a lot of people in this area where you now no longer have your companion and you are basically ordered to stay home. So my question is going to be, how are you handling that? You know, what are your uh, measures of escape? How do you handle being alone, you know, during this time? Are you picking up some bad habits? Are you using this time wisely? Are you investing in yourself? Are you, you know, really taking the time to do some soul searching? Are you doing your journaling? You know, like what are you doing right now to really help you process through your your divorce, but then also get back to some level of normalcy in your life? Because I, I want you to know that it is absolutely more than just a notion. This is not just something you can just wake up one day and decide that you are, you know, perfectly fine. Because the truth of the matter is that you may not be fully uh, being honest with yourself because we are all taught to, you know, put on our big girl panties, put on our big boy draws, you know, and go out and face the world and act like, you know, nothing ever happened. And I guess that because we have, you know, such a high number of divorces, it's it's almost difficult to find, you know, people that have not already gone through the, the, the divorce themselves. But it's uh, it's not something that we talk about openly because, you know, it's still like a, a badge of shame uh, that some of us have to wear around, uh, particularly if you have, you know, been divorced multiple times like myself. It comes up across as it being kind of like a badge of 
of sorrow or shame. And it's difficult to actually talk about, you know, being divorced and, and how you're really doing in this particular environment when you can't go out and find your crutch. You, you can't go out and, you know, and put on your cute clothes and go out and, you know, sit at the local, you know, diner or the local, you know, uh, nightclub or the local jazz spot, you know, and kind of, you know, forget about for a moment that you are going home and that you don't have anyone there to hold you in the middle of the night. It's, it's challenging, you know, at this point in time when you suddenly are required to stay, you know, in your house and you realize that all of your you know, social experiences are now limited because you are, you know, unable to get out of the house. And it just, um, it just hits people, you know, really uh, oddly and and really weird. And so we've got some, um, you know, national people, people in the national spotlight that are also dealing with these same types of things. And I I recognize that it's easy for us to, you know, drown our sorrows in, you know, substance, alcohol, you know, it's easy for us to, you know, try to use that as, you know, a particular crutch, but you've got to be careful that you are not, you know, taking it to uh, the next level. And so what kind of inspired this podcast to come about talking about loneliness and feeling lonely in the midst of COVID-19. Part of what inspired this particular podcast was a clip that I came across uh, from Wendy Williams, where she was talking with a young man on her show. His name was Michael Yo. I like that. Yo. His name is Michael Yo. And I believe that this particular podcast aired on April the 13th of 2020. And in this podcast or in this uh, particular interview that Wendy is doing with Michael Yo, he is talking to her about his experience, how he contracted COVID-19 and his experience of being in the ICU for two weeks. He talks about the pain and how painful uh, coronavirus is. And he really is kind of just talking to Wendy, who seems to be inebriated. And I think you will see that or hear that in the video clip that we're going to play or in the sound bite that we're going to play. I think you will kind of hear that as well. She definitely didn't sound like she was uh, on top of uh, her game, but she sounded like she was a little out of it, uh, so to speak. But Michael is really kind of trying to talk with Wendy about, you know, his experience with coronavirus and COVID-19 and dropping some nuggets. And then Wendy says something that uh, really inspired me to put this podcast together, talking about loneliness and our divorcee. So we're going to take a quick listen to um, that clip. This is um, from the Wendy Williams show. So um, let's just ask Wendy and play the clip. I want to give a big shout out to the frontline workers, the nurses, the doctors, the essential workers. Here's, here's what's crazy to me, and not all people, and it's very few, but for the very few, <clears throat> excuse me, that are being so selfish, you're disregarding all the people, all the frontline workers, essential workers that are being so selfless. You know, and that's what really makes me mad. And one thing I, I saw in the hospital, I know in the hospital, people die alone. 
you know, and that was the worst thing. You hear about it all the time, you know, and God bless the nurses are trying their best, but people are dying. If you're walking around without a mask, you could be risking somebody's life in your family or somebody else's. And no one, no one, Wendy, deserves to die alone. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome, Wendy. Thank you. I'll see you back in New York when this is all over. Yes. I'm just I'm, happy to be alive. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying every day to the fullest. So I love you, Wendy. Thank you, Michael. I love you too. That thing about dying alone, I can't even, like, that is unbearable. Yesterday was Easter. People are just, I just, anyway, everybody, it's time for Ask Wendy. So you guys kind of heard that, right? You, you kind of heard, you know, first of all, what the guy is talking about is, you know, COVID-19. But Wendy kind of, and you would have to really see her demeanor. You'd have to really be watching this video clip to just kind of see it. Now, I know that Wendy is currently filming this, you know, um, show from her home. So she doesn't have her co-host is what she calls them. You know, that's a high that literally like that, that, that becomes like your drug when you are a celebrity and you can walk out and people are clapping and rooting you on and you're about to go do your hot topics and the atmosphere is charged and there's energy, there's excitement there. You know, that, that becomes kind of a drug for these celebrities. And now they are doing these shows from their living room, from their homes. Like I am watching all of our late night hosts, they are doing these shows from their homes and they are terrible because there's no applause, there's no laughter, there's no people. You can kind of tell that they are affected and infected and, you know, trying to do these shows from their living rooms. They have like a lack of motivation um, because there's no one there with them to kind of pat them on the back and make them feel like, you know, yeah, you know, like I'm really doing this thing. And, you know, Wendy on this particular uh, at home she you know has a a fake hamburger sitting on her desk that you know she refers to but she has an actual pickle on top of this fake hamburger and at some point in time she picks up the pickle and she bites the pickle but she's she's talking just so erratic and her behaviors and her movements and everything about Wendy is just completely off in this particular um in this particular show and like I mentioned we know that Wendy has recently gotten divorced. It was very public. Her divorce from Kevin Hunter or Kelvin Hunter, I don't know, and the, you know, the new baby mama and all of the drama and Wendy became a part of the headlines herself. But, you know, really a, a very a very national spotlight on a divorcing couple. Not that that's anything new, but it was messy and there was all kinds of foolishness going on. And Wendy, too, is a, is a victim of trying to move on too fast, you know, publicizing a relationship with another other celebrity and, you know, just really trying to move on. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you're talking long-term relationships, you know, at the end of the day, there has to be some time when you just take a break and allow yourself to grieve, you know, to really kind of, you know, get yourself, you know, back together again. Um, you know, but, you know, that clip just really said something to me because I hear in Wendy's voice, 
and in her demeanor that she's talking about more than just COVID-19. But you can actually hear in her voice where she's talking about dying alone. And that has to be like a real sad reality, you know, not only for the individuals who, and especially in New York City, where COVID-19 is kind of this kind of an epicenter there, you know, where they have lost thousands of individuals, you know, more so than, you know, the cases in the United States total. But, you know, New York has really had a major outbreak of this COVID-19 and, you know, and people are being picked up in ambulances going from their homes to the hospitals. And literally the paramedics are saying, you know, hey, you know, in their minds are like, you know what, this is going to be the last time you see this person because you can't come to the hospital, you can't see them, and they're going to literally die alone. But there was a part of me, I don't know what it was, but there was a part of me that when I was watching this and I was listening to this, I just felt like Wendy was attributing more to this than just COVID-19 and that it might have touched her in a way that she also was talking about maybe the loss of her marriage and being alone and dying lonely. Let's listen to uh, that segment of the clip again. That thing about dying alone, I can't even, like, that is unbearable. You guys understand what I'm saying? Like, it's something about the way that she says that dying alone and her posture and her and her voice that makes me feel like, you know, that she was talking more about, you know, more so about her personal marriage breakup, you know, than she was just talking about COVID-19. And I recognize that, you know, that is one of the main reasons why people stay in dead de- de- marriages is because they really just don't want to be alone. They don't want to die alone. I know for a fact that when I was getting divorced, that that was one of the recurring and consistent thoughts that continued to go through my mind as a woman of age. I'm aging gracefully, but yet and still, you know, there's, you know, there, there was a part of me that was just like, wow, you know what? I, I got married because I didn't want to die alone. I, I, I said that, like I got married because because I didn't want to be by myself anymore in my life. I wanted to always have a companion. I wanted somebody to be there if I got sick and to hold my hand if something happened to one of my children. And I wanted that for myself. And so when I was getting divorced, that became like a real recurring theme in my mind. And unfortunately, a lot of times people will stay married. They'll stay in dysfunctional relationships just so they don't have to deal with the reality of living or being alone and then subsequently dying alone. And I felt that for our divorcees when Wendy was talking because that is a real thing. So today we want to kind of put some things out there for you guys, period. End of story. We want to really put some things out there for you guys to consider, guys and gals. (laughs) We want to put some things out there for you to consider, you know, because your emotional health, your mental health, your physical health, all of that is important to us here at Chronicles. We want to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. And so we want to talk about this lonely thing. Like, you know, everybody is experiencing this lonely thing together. 
But for people like us that have lost a companion or that recently have divorced or is still struggling through the trauma of your divorce, it may seem amplified in this moment. And that spirit of loneliness can connect with other mental health crises that you may be having and become compounded and become challenging and put you in a situation where you are now experiencing anxiety and depression. And those are the things that we want to make sure that we uncover. We want to uproot and unroot those things before they have an opportunity to fester in your lives. So... How are you handling your lonely? Like, you know, how are you handling it, especially now? There is a lot of research on the internet that you can get your hands on. But there was a particular piece that I read in Psychology Today that I want to uh, just share four points with you uh, for you to consider, for you to ponder, for you to think about. There was there was probably about 10 or 15 suggestions in that particular article, but I pulled out four that I really want to share with you on this podcast because I think it's important. I think it's important that we handle our loneliness so that we are not doing like Wendy and, you know, and, and, and throwing off or putting, you know, on some type of, you know, experience that you're having now, a current situation and throwing it off and, and mixing in, you know, a, a previous situation with that. You've got to be careful about that. You got to make sure that you are, you know, making sure that you're staying in your now, stay in your reality. You know, you don't want to deflect. You don't want to be, uh, you know, deflecting something of your past uh, onto your current situation because it can compound it and make things really challenging for you. So the number one thing or the first thing I want to mention is that number one, loneliness is a state of mind. Uh, loneliness is a state of mind. It is not fact or reality. Loneliness is just a state of mind. It is not a fact or a reality. You've got to be careful not to get yourself bogged down in just a temporary situation, or at least it should be temporary. Now, we've been, you know, kind of on our stay home orders for about three weeks now. And, you know, one of the things that you should be able to do in your own home is you should be able to relax. You know, if if you are not in a position or in your own home where you can relax, honey, you might need to paint your walls or do something constructive with that time that you have right now. So that when you walk in your front door, your house gives you a hug. My house absolutely gives me a hug. When I walk in, my color scheme, my furniture, you know, my, you know, my decor, it is exactly what I like and how how I like it. And so it, it resonates with me and it makes me happy when I walk in the door. And so that kind of helps me to combat, you know, some of those feelings of loss and the trauma um, that I've experienced in my marriage, just knowing that the home itself represents me in a way that it welcomes me when I walk into my front door. And so loneliness has a tendency to just be a temporary state uh, of, of feeling, but it is not your fact and it is not reality. So make sure you're separating the two. The second thing that I want to throw out there is that I want you to remember that you are not alone. This is happening in households all over the world. I want you to hear me when I say that all over the world, not just your neighborhood, not just your city, not just your state, 
not just your country, but all over the world. If you've been looking at, you know, any type of media reports, you can see people doing, you know, some of the craziest and zaniest things. Like, you know, I saw a video of a couple living in a high rise building. They were probably 14 floors up and they literally were hanging out their windows and they were playing table tennis uh, out their windows. If the ball fell, that that was that game was over because it was going down several floors. But they're literally hanging out their window and they're playing table tennis with one another uh, from the 14th floor because, you know, they are stuck in their house or like I like to say, I'm safe at home. I'm not stuck in my house. I'm safe at home. You know, but they were, you know, in their homes. They can't get out. They're under quarantine. They're under curfew. They couldn't get out. And so they found a creative way to be able to entertain one another. And I thought that was really super cool, you know, because you have to, you know, make you have to understand that you're not alone in this situation. Everybody is going through that same thing. Now, there are some people like I have people in my life who are naturally born introverts. Uh, my engineer is one of them, uh, can spend all day, every day in one room, one spot, you know, looking at his computer and, you know, and be completely content. This time was created uh, for our introverts. They don't have, they ain't worried about it. They are excited. One of my friends on, on social media uh, made a post today, as a matter of fact, you know, talking about how she's been preparing her whole life uh, for this crisis, like, cause she's an introvert. She don't want to be around people, but if you're a people person and you like being around people, that feeling of loneliness can really kind of impact and affect you in different ways. And so you want to make sure that you are uh, understanding that you're not by yourself and, you know, and that you are, you have more in common uh, with others than uh, you, than you think. The third thing that you can do is to find ways to connect. I like that particular piece of advice in the article because, like I mentioned, the people that were playing the table tennis out the window, I thought that was so creative. We've got all of this virtual stuff going on. I mean, listen, we've got virtual DJ parties. I have a family member that is a DJ, and she's been coming on live, and we've been, you know, listen, we will put the lights out, get the strobe lights on, get our beverage of choice. We will do whatever we can in order to have a good time and just, you know, and party in our homes because we are being safe, you know, but you have to do that. You have to find ways to reach out and to connect, you know, with other people. Uh, um, I mean, to, you know, to make sure that you are connected with other people of, of mutual interest and that you are finding creative ways to do them. And of course, we will be remiss in our duties if we didn't say number four, know the difference between anxiety and depression and just being lonely. Because it's okay right now to feel feelings of being alone, even though you're never really alone, but it's okay to feel those feelings of loneliness, you know, but you have to make sure that you are protecting your mental and your emotional health and your emotional space to make sure that you are not slipping into modes of depression that could potentially, you know, cause you additional damage uh, in the end. And so we want to make sure that we are encouraging you to seek mental health uh, professional or mental health uh, counseling if you need to find you someone to talk to, particularly if that spirit of loneliness does not 
lift after a few days or you are now acting outside of your normal character. If you're introducing, you know, substance abuse, if you're introducing or if you're drinking too much or if you're sleeping too much or you're not eating properly, you know, if you're beginning to find repetitious uh, types of behaviors that are destructive, then that may indicate to you that you may need to be able to, that you may need to reach out to a mental health professional to help you to overcome those types of situations. Now, there should be local resources that are available to you uh, so that you can find mental health uh, professionals and resources in your area. But if you don't know, then we'd love to be able to give you an 800 number here that is connected to the government that will help you to be able to find resources in your local area. It comes from the SAMHSA hotline, that is S as in SAM, AMHSA National Helpline. Their phone number is area code 1-800-662-HELP. Again, 800-662-HELP. SAMHSA stands for Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. That is there for you always to be able to assist you with making sure that you are properly uh, taking care of yourself during this time. So make sure that you continue to listen here to the Chronicles podcast because we are always going to be talking about things that we can do to help you transition through your divorce. This is Lawanda will be Lawanda always because everyone else is already taken. Thank you for listening to Chronicles Post-Divorce Advocacy Group Podcast where our goal is in our name helping you document your past so that you can write a new chapter for your future. Be sure you stop by each week for a new episode designed to help you overcome the grief, the trauma, and the stagnation of divorce. We'll see you soon.